Instagram, etc. Go on Facebook, and how many knows we need to be praying over these these things, getting where they need to get. And all right, so <clears throat> let's go ahead and open with prayer. And as everybody's agreeing with me, Lord, we submit this unto you tonight. And we lift up this sermon. Lord, we thank you. Here we are living in the latter days, and we need to know what the Bible says. And Lord, we ask you that you would come upon me tonight, anoint and speak through me everything that needs to be spoken. Let this be as the parable of the seed and the sower, that living seeds of truth will go out sown into good soil. Let your precious Holy Spirit even right now move upon everybody that's going to be listening to this or watching this. Lord, that your Holy Spirit move upon them. Lord, as everybody's agreeing with me, let your Holy Spirit move upon them and give them good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives. Prepare them, Lord, that this, these seeds of truth can go into that good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Let there be the washing of the water of the word. Let there be a bright, shining light of truth that goes out and dispels all the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation. Lord, let this go out like a sword that's going to penetrate where it needs to get and a hammer that's going to break down every stronghold and, and break through tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the word. And as, as this goes out tonight under an anointing, let this get where it needs to get, accomplish what it needs to accomplish. And Lord, we thank you for the winds of your Holy Spirit carrying this out among the nations. And Lord, we submit this word unto you. We submit this time, this sermon and we resist the devil he must flee and we all agree together that anything that would try to hinder distract resist oppress this in any way try to hinder it from getting where it's supposed to get and accomplishing what it's supposed to be. in the name of jesus we bind you now we command you to back off and lord we thank you for your angels just clearing all that out of the way lord that this will get where it needs to we stand on the promise that the word of god will not return void but it will go forth and accomplish that which you sent it for to do we stand on that we thank you for it tonight we thank you for hearing and answering every prayer over this service and over these sermons. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight I'm dealing just with the seven trumpets, but I'm going to tell you this is going to be a really interesting study. So make sure that you have your notes and that you have something to write with because there's going to be some very interesting things we're going to cover. So as we look at this tonight, we dealt with the seals. Well, first we dealt with the scroll, then we dealt with the seals, and now we're looking at the judgments, or the trumpets, rather. So, as far as the trumpet judgments go, this is definitely going to be within the tribulation time. My personal opinion is, I think that the seals will probably be a pre-tribulation time. It's already happening and that will give way to the trumpets which will fall during the first half of the tribulation. That's just my opinion, okay? So here's a couple things. So let's start with the scriptures here. Revelation 8.1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. Now these are shofars, okay? So... The seventh seal opens up the trumpets. Just like you're going to see the seventh trumpet opens up the bowls. So they just kind of back to back, so to speak. And so once that seventh seal is broke, there's silence. It's a transition now. And the seven angels 
come before the Lord, they're each given a shofar. Now there's about to be the blast of these trumpet judgments that are going to come. And look at this scene in heaven. In Revelation chapter 8, verse 3, it says, Another angel came and stood before the altar, having a golden censer, and much incense was given to him so that he might add to it the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire on, of the altar and threw it on the earth. And, they were, and there followed peals of thunder, sounds of flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That's an awesome scene. So I want you to notice here that you need to understand the tabernacle before you really understand Revelation, okay? I don't have time to get much into that, but I think you guys know. So you have here, there's a, there is a literal tabernacle in heaven where God's throne is the um, Holy of Holies. That's the Ark of the Covenant is actually God's throne. And then before the throne... The next furniture that's going to be the closest to the throne is the golden altar of incense, you see. And it's, that's why the Bible says in Hebrews that Moses was given the pattern of the tabernacle after the pattern that's in heaven. So you're seeing here the glimpse of the tabernacle of heaven. And that there's this beautiful incense that goes up before the Lord. And it's connected with the worship and the prayer of God's people. So as you guys well know, the incense of, uh, that God gave Moses was four parts, and it represents, though, praise and worship, prayer, intercession. And so when we come together, you know, the, the phrase harp and bowl, but when we come together in praise and worship, prayer, and intercession, it is like an incense that goes up before the Lord, okay? And in heaven, you see this scene where it is intermixed with some kind of incense in heaven that goes up before God, and God responds. The Bible says that he answers the prayers of his people. Isn't that an awesome scripture to see kind of a glimpse of the power of our prayers in heaven? All right, in the verse 6, And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to present this to you tonight well, we're going to deal with all seven, but I'm going to break them up a way that's going to make more sense to you. So the first four go together, then the next two go together, and then the seventh is by itself, okay? So we're going to read the first four shofar blasts right here. So the first angel sounded his shofar, and there came now on the earth. So this is a scene in heaven. The worship and prayer the incense and then the angel throws something toward the earth now there's these shofar blast in heaven that release something in the earth okay does everybody so as we wrap our minds around this the first shofar sounds and look at this there came hail and fire mixed with blood that were thrown to the earth and a third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the grass, the green grass, was burned up. Wow. Then, 
the second angel sounds his shofar and something like look at this a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and a third of the ships were destroyed and then after that the third angel sounds his shofar and look at this a great star fell from heaven burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers on the springs so you had the salt water now you have the fresh water and the name of the star is called wormwood and there and a third of the waters became wormwood and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter and then the fourth angel sounds his shofar and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck so that a third of them would be darkened and the day would not shine for a third of it and the night in the same way that's interesting so these first trumpet judgments the first four quite possibly could be a singular event which i'm going to show you but some have speculated that maybe and i'm not discounting this so i'm just telling you different opinions and you can formulate your own opinion some feel that this could have something to do with like a nuclear warfare that things are released and because of the nuclear uh, missiles that are that are launched that it burns up a third of different things and it bitters some waters and all that and that very well could be true but i'm going to give you something that's pretty simply understood so i'll just leave that there that could be what happens but i'm going to give you something that actually might be what this is and what it could be is an asteroid and there's some research done by tom horn about this recently he wrote a book called wormwood and he's talking about this asteroid coming now the reason why i personally my personal opinion i think that it is probably an asteroid and the reason why i think it is is because of the second angel sounding the shofar and it says it looked like a great mountain burning with fire came to me that sounds like an asteroid so if this is an asteroid let me just give you some things about that so let me say this again tom horn has done some research recently he was on sid roth not long ago talking about this so this might be something you want to look into and I, I don't mean this to put any type of fear but let me just give you some things that I think that you need to know so it is possible that the first four shofar blasts are actually a singular event even if it is nuclear warfare it could be that somebody pushed the button and then other people start pushing the buttons okay and it just it's it's a singular event in that respect okay it's not drawn out over 20 years it's something that seems to happen within a short span of time and so but it could be that an asteroid coming that that also could be a singular event 
that is connected to all four of those shofar blasts. I'm going to show you. See, when an asteroid would enter our atmosphere, it would break up before it hit the earth. It would, if it struck waters, it would pollute the waters. The heat of it would boil the waters. It would release toxins into the atmosphere. And because of that type of activity, it actually could start crazy weather patterns like hurricane activity, not to mention this, the, the impact of that asteroid into the ocean would create huge tsunamis. It would no doubt pollute the water. And the asteroid that struck the earth with such force, which I'm going to give you some statistics about that in a moment, it would be so violent as it struck the earth that it would no doubt create a massive earthquake which could set off volcanic activity. And volcanic activity would begin to affect and pollute the atmosphere and darken the sun, moon, and stars. So it is possible that this could be four different descriptions of a singular event. And I'll show you here in a moment. So also not to mention when you're dealing with volcanic activity, polluting the atmosphere it affects people being able to breathe because the ap the air gets so dirty and you can kind of see that with what's going on in california with the fires i mean there's so much uh, of the smoke getting up in the atmosphere that it's it's darkening the sky people are having difficulty breathing but here's something that you need to know and you can research this for yourself this is a fact this is something that was discussed and researched uh, by these individuals tom horn and others but NASA has seen an approaching asteroid that according to its speed could be in our atmosphere in 2029. They say that it will come so close that it very well could strike the earth. This is not public knowledge because of fear and panic that it would create. They've named this asteroid Apophis, or Apophis, how do you say it? Apophis, interestingly enough, is an Egyptian god of chaos, evil, and darkness and destruction. So anybody that's kind of familiar a little bit with Egyptian lore, Apophis, and you remember the sun god Ra, okay? So Ra was the sun god, light. Apophis was darkness and death. And according to Egyptian lore, they would kind of fight every day, and Ra would always win and bring the sun up. That was kind of the, you know, Egyptian mythology. But it's interesting that they called this, NASA is calling this Apophis. So if this asteroid, now everybody remember I said if, okay. If this asteroid in 2029 or so does strike the earth, it is possible that this could be connected to these trumpet judgments. And if, everybody remember I said if, I'm not making predictions here. If that happens where the asteroid does come and it is in fact connected to these trumpet judgments, does that not give us a, a sense of how near the coming of the Lord is? You see what I'm saying? 
But here's how this could be a singular event. So Revelation 8, 7 through 10, the first four trumpet judgments, <clears throat> it could be this. If it is an asteroid in a singular event, this is what it could look like. As the asteroid comes into our atmosphere, there's like a fire that's at the front of it. Do you remember how it described it like blood and fire and all that coming on the earth, okay? It could be that that's the initial, what's coming into the atmosphere from the asteroid that's coming upon the earth, that burns up trees and grass. And it could be that the second trumpet, as the asteroid begins to break up, that some of it will fall into the sea and other parts of it will fall into fresh water. So that could be the second and the third trumpet. And then the fourth trumpet is the aftermath of the asteroid hitting the earth, causing incredible earthquakes and setting off volcanic activity that darken the sun, moon, and stars. Do you see how it could be one event? And when you look at other scriptures like Luke 21, 25 through 29, it says, Jesus said that there would be signs before his coming in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And look, listen to this. And on the earth, distress, perplexity. And look at this. Seas and waves roaring. If an asteroid struck this sea, that's like tsunamis. And it says men's hearts fail them for fear what's coming upon the earth. So it is possible that it could be an asteroid. And it is in the realm of possibility that the coming of the Lord is a lot sooner than what a lot of people think. I believe his coming is very near. And I think that we need to be really praying for revival and a harvest because I don't think we have a lot of time left. So if an asteroid, if this is an asteroid that strikes the earth, and just my personal opinion is that, that the, the four trumpets does have to do with an asteroid, most likely. But if an asteroid hits the earth, it would be the equivalent of 880 million tons of TNT being detonated at one time. 65,000 times as powerful as a nuclear bomb, the nuclear bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Let me say that again. 65,000 times more powerful than the nuclear bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Wow. It would be like all of our nuclear weapons going off at one time in a single place. That's how powerful it would be. So it would definitely be cataclysmic. It would cause widespread destruction and a high death toll. There's no doubt about it. But the trumpet judgments are during the tribulation time. And I personally believe that the remnant bride that has made herself ready is going to be snatched away before uh, the tribulation time. But there's going to be a lot of people still here, and a lot of people that call themselves Christians, a lot of people that went to church and never got right with God, those type of people are still going to be here. 
And then he goes on to verse 13. And he said, Then I looked and I heard an angel flying in mid-heaven, saying in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Now, you know, you would think for a moment the angel would be saying woe about the asteroid. Anybody else catch that? Because I read that and I kind of did a double take. Like, wait a second. So they skipped the first four and the angel's now saying, whoa, the next three. And you're thinking, man, that first one, <laughs> the first four are pretty bad, man. I mean, so that gives you an idea of how bad the next three are going to be. So my personal opinion, this, this is just my take on it, okay? I feel that the seals are being opened in our day and have, some of them have already been opened. And I think you're seeing the Antichrist spirit, like that rider on the white horse gaining a lot of ground. You're seeing the other things. I've already talked about this. But as the seal, the seventh seal is opened, I believe that at some point in there, there's going to be a catching away of the remnant bride to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as far as what we know is this dispensation of the church age of grace, that there's going to be like a season change. It's kind of hard to explain it other than it's like one dispensation is over but it's like remember this the 69 weeks of Daniel from Daniel's from the time of the temple being uh, the foundation later whatever from that time until Jesus rode in on a donkey remember that it was 69 weeks sorry or Jesus down the cross the Messiah was cut off rather so those 69 weeks and then he's then it's like that 70th week is waiting for the future and it has to do with the nation of Israel because God said there are 70 weeks determined for your people speaking to Daniel about Israel and there was like this pause after the 69th week God hit pause and there's been this 2,000 year period the church age but that's eventually going to come to an end and there's going to be a snatching away of his bride and then God's going to unpause things and it's going to be about Israel and it's going to be that seven week period. And it's like the dispensation of the church age as we know it now is shifting. And the focus is back on the nation of Israel. The focus is going to be on uh, the judgments that are coming upon the wicked world. And what's going to set in motion that seven year period with them is going to be that they make some kind of a covenant with the Antichrist for peace. For a seven-year peace. And halfway through it, we know he'll break it. But in my opinion, that first three and a half years of the tribulation time is going to be the trumpet judgments that are going to come. And some people traditionally believe the seals and the trumpets will be taking place, and it could be. But I think the seals are already being opened. So this is going to be during the first part of the tribulation. This is how bad things are going to get. And so this is the first woe, okay? And I'm going to read the next two trumpets. I'm going to read them together, and then I'm going to share some things, okay? Now we're in Revelation chapter 9, verse 1. And this is now the fifth angel in heaven. And he blasts his shofar. And look at this. I saw a star fall from heaven 
which had, which had fallen to the earth and had the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. And he opened up this bottomless pit and smoke came out of it. The smoke like a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. Power was given them as the scorpions of the earth have power. But they were told not to hurt the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not permitted to kill anyone, but to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. Now that's interesting. Remember that. They will long to die and death flees from them. The appearance of this, these locusts was like horses prepared for battle. The heads appeared to be crowns like gold and their faces were like the faces of men and they had hair like that of women and their teeth were like that of lions. They had breastplates like the breastplate of iron and the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots and many horses rushing to battle. And they have tails like scorpions and stings and in their tails is the power to hurt men for five months. They had as a king over them the angel of the abyss and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon. In Greek it was Apollyon. And this was the first woe which passed and behold the two woes are still coming after this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this here in a moment. So there's something that's going to be like an open an opening of a portal an open hell some kind of a gateway that's going to open and all these beings are going to come out and they're going to torment men now that's the fifth trumpet let me go ahead and read the sixth and then i'm going to give you a few things so the sixth trumpet the sixth angel sounded his shofar in heaven and i heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before god one saying to the sixth angel who had the shofar, look at, listen to this. Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates and the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and month and year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. There's going to be a really large death toll through all of these judgments by the time Jesus comes to the earth and his feet touch the Mount of Olives, the vast majority of humanity, there's going to be a huge death toll. So, verse 16, the number of the armies of the horsemen were 200 million. I heard the number of them. And this is how I saw in the vision the horses of those who sat on them, the riders had breastplates the color of fire and of jonkinth and brimstone and the heads of horses are like the heads of lions out of their mouths proceed fire and smoke and brimstone a third of mankind was killed by these plagues by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which proceeded out of their mouths for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails for their tails are like serpents and have heads and with them they do harm so it makes you wonder here 
If maybe John saw things he didn't understand, like tanks. And to him, it would look like tails and fire was exploding out of these tails to do harm. But anyway, and it says in verse 20, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did, look at this, they did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons. And the idols of gold and silver and of brass and stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor their thefts. The second woe is past, and behold, the third woe is coming. So let me just stop there for a moment. I'm going to explain some things about the first part with the fifth angel and the open hell. But let me just say something about this sixth trumpet. China boasts right now of having a 200 million man army. And so many believe that this is some kind of a loosing of four very powerful angels that are fallen angels and they've been held and you know bound for a time and they're going to be allowed to be let loose and many people many scholars believe that this is going to be like a military invasion that there's going to be like china and others that are going to march maybe march against or toward israel really but nonetheless, there's going to be this military invasion, okay? And it's going to release things. And so you have the fifth trumpet, then you have the sixth trumpet. And so about the fifth trumpet, when it talks about the angel that fell to the earth and he opened up this abyss that we just read about, it's interesting in dealing with that, a couple things, okay? So let me just cover this, but let me, let me actually backtrack. I need to say this about the military invasion here. There's going to be four major military invasions that are going to have to do in connection with Israel. Remember that this time frame is the 70th week of Daniel that has to do with Israel. And so right now in our day that we live, it seems like Psalm 83 war is taking place. And the Psalm 83 war is primarily around Israel's borders, okay? And you see that with Hamas and others. Hezbollah, it's around Israel. But there's going to come a time where it shifts from being around Israel, this Psalm 83 war. It is eventually going to be Ezekiel 37, 38, which you guys are familiar with, the Gog-Magog war which is going to be a confederation of Iran, Russia, parts of Eastern Europe, parts of Northern Africa. And there's going to be this coalition that comes together that's going to descend on Israel and going to try to attack Israel, but God is going to defend them. And you can read about that in Ezekiel 37:38. But this is during, I, I personally believe the Gog War will be before the tribulation time. But this is some kind of a military, some kind of a war that's going to take place during the tribulation time. And the 200 million man army sounds like the eastern invasion. It sounds like something China is primarily associated with, okay? And those four angels that are loosed are going to have to do with this war that takes place. All right, and then finally, the fourth war will be what's called Armageddon, which we'll get to that in the book of Revelation. That is after the tribulation time. 
So Armageddon is where all nations descend upon Israel. And literally, it's this world war. And that's when Jesus comes and he deals with that. He confronts the enemies of Israel. And there's a mass slaughter that takes place by him. And then he comes in to reign over the nations. So those are four different distinct descriptive terms of military activity between now and Armageddon. So let me say that again. Right now seems to be more Psalm 83. But in the near future, you're going to see the Gog Magog War. And let me tell you that it's not far off. Isn't it interesting that who would have ever thought in a million years that Russia would be, you know, cozying up to people like Iran? And you're seeing Turkey, who used to be our NATO ally, now becoming Islamic. See, Turkey's another ally, Togarman there. So you're seeing in northern Africa has become Islamic. And so you're going to see this coalition with Russia and some of these Islamic nations that are going to attack Israel. And it's, the stage is being set for that. And so that's Ezekiel 37, 38, and that's before the tribulation. Then during the tribulation is this war that you're reading about. And then finally, after the tribulation is Armageddon. So does that make sense? Four different wars. All right. So here's some things I want to talk about. So in dealing with what we read, you've got the fifth trumpet, and you've got this star falling from heaven, and he opens this bottomless pit. Great smoke comes out. These weird locusts like demonic creatures are released. It sounds like a sci-fi movie, doesn't it? <laughs> But it's in the Bible. It's going to happen. It's a spiritual thing. But here's something interesting. I'm not saying that this specifically has to do with this for sure. But it is interesting. So there's something you may want to look into right now in Switzerland near Geneva. It's something called CERN. C-E-R-N. And interestingly enough, it used to be named the European Organization for Nuclear Research. But they changed the name to CERN which is kind of weird and a weird coincidence that one of the names for Satan, especially in that part of the world, was Cernunos. But, you know, maybe that's a coincidence, whatever. And their logo, look up the CERN logo. It looks like a six and then you turn it another six and you turn it another six. Hey, maybe that's a coincidence. I don't know. Those two things just could be coincidental. But I do wonder why they have a big giant statue of the Hindu god Shiva sitting there at their entrance area, which is Shiva is the god of destruction in India with a plaque that calls her omnipresent. So what CERN is supposed to be, it's supposed to be scientific research. So why would scientists and scientific research have this idol there? But anyway, so here's what they're trying to do in CERN. Now, remember, we're talking about that big abyss, that portal that opens up, okay? So in CERN, here's, here's a couple of things they're trying to do. Okay, you guys have heard about the theory that there was some kind of a bang and then from that came all life, the Big Bang Theory. Okay? 
which takes more faith to believe in something that stupid than, than God created, right? Yeah, a lot more faith. So anyway, this big bang, and out comes the universe, and we all live now. So, but what they're trying to do is they're, they're saying, well, if you reverse that back and trying to find the smallest spark of life, that getting it back to the smallest particle, the, the conception of this, it's really interesting. If they can shrink it back to its inception, they're looking for something, the higgs boson particle, which they call the God particle. Why would they even call it that if they don't believe in God? Anyway, so they're calling it the God particle. They're trying to find that spark of life. And we all know from the scriptures that God spoke. And then there was this, I'm sure that was explosive, and then things happened, so... Also, they're trying to break down. This is interesting. So we know that the whole hydrogen bomb and all of that, the atomic bomb, they, through research, they began to split the atom. And that's how we get there. At CERN, they're trying to even split the atom more down to even smaller particles and research this as small as they can get it. They're trying to find things they've never found before. And so the director of research there, whose name is Sergio uh, Bertolucci, this is what he said. Another thing is this large um, hadron collider, they're trying to spin particles and collide them. Now here's what they're trying to do. Remember we read in Revelation that there was this huge thing that opened up. Look at this. So Sergio, Sergio Bertolucci, the director of research about CERN, says this. These are scientists, by the way. He says the Large Hadron Collider could open a doorway to an extra dimension. And out of this door might come something, or we might send something through it. They're trying to create a portal to another dimension. That's pretty weird. And another thing, they, they believe that these gravitons, is what they call them, is what collectively make up gravity as we know it. So they're trying to somehow figure out what makes up gravity. And they, they feel through this collider colliding, they're trying to create this portal. Y'all see what I'm saying here? It's some kind of a doorway to another dimension. And through that, they've claimed that they've lost some gravitons into it. And so they're thinking that they can send something through this portal or something will come through to them. So I think that's kind of strange. Strange research. So it makes you wonder, let me read that again, with what they're doing. And it, it may not be there, but just the fact that they're trying to do it. Let's read the fifth trumpet again. The fifth angel sounded his shofar and a star from heaven fell to the earth and a key to the bottomless pit was given to him and he opened up the bottomless, bottomless pit, smoke came out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun and air were darkened and out of that came all these locusts which are like demonic hordes on the earth. They opened some kind of a portal. Something opens here that releases things upon the earth. 
Again, that sounds like science fiction, doesn't it? In Switzerland, I'm not sure what's going on in that part of the world, but in Switzerland, there was a, a huge train tunnel that was created. You should look this up on YouTube. The most bizarre ceremony was performed full of occult symbolism and dance at the opening of that train tunnel. But what in the world is going on in Switzerland? In Isaiah 13, which Revelation, I'll talk about this more, so I might be getting ahead of myself as we study Revelation, but Revelation views the whole end-time world system under the Antichrist as Babylon, okay? And so those other end-time scriptures, like in Isaiah 13, and there's other places that deal with Babylon and how Babylon's going to be destroyed. So look at Isaiah chapter 13 about the end of Babylon, the end of days regarding Babylon. But this is in the Septuagint version of the Bible, which is a direct from Hebrew to Greek. And so this was actually the Bible translation that the early church used because it was straight out of Hebrew into the Greek language of that time. Okay, the Septuagint. Very accurate. And look at what it says regarding Babylon. It says, The vision which Isaiah, son of Amos, saw against Babylon, lift up a standard on the mountain of the plain, exalt the voice to them, beckon with the hand. Look at this. Open the gates, ye rulers. So there's an opening of some kind. Gateways. And look at this. Give command and I will bring them. Giants are coming to fulfill my wrath, rejoicing at the same time and insulting. A voice of many nations on the mountains, even like that to many nations, a voice of kings and nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts has given command to a warlike nation. Isn't that interesting? So there's some kind of gateways that are going to open and there's going to be beings that come into the earth realm. And it's interesting because our modern American culture has become fascinated with witchcraft, the occult, paranormal activity, and extraterrestrial life. Look at how much television and movies is devoted to it. People are fascinated with the darkness. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. Also, strangely enough, Islam believes that their 12th imam, their Messiah, is already alive inside the earth. And he's behind magical gates. And he is soon to be revealed. That's weird. And the Shiite Muslims, which are in Iran, believe that it is through terrorism and chaos and all this destruction on the earth that will usher him in. So could it be that mankind is going to open portals of some kind spiritually that's going to release some things in the earth that they don't really realize what they're opening up to? Which I'll talk more about that here in just a second because now we're going to deal with the next thing. So here's something interesting with the Vatican in regards to portals. We know that from a biblical perspective, we understand an open heaven. Remember Jesus said to Nathaniel, he said, you're going to see the heavens open over me, angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, upon him. And so we know from Scripture that there can be an open heaven like a good portal. You remember when Jacob 
ended up, he named the place Bethel, Beit El, house of God. And he slept there. And when he was asleep, he had some vision. And in the Hebrew, it looked like a spiral staircase or something that went up. In the Hebrew, that's what it says. And they call it Jacob's Ladder. But what does it say? Angels were ascending and descending. And Jacob saw it. And he said, this is none other than the house of God. There's some kind of a open heaven, a portal. And angels are ascending and descending in this place. Interestingly enough, there was a time that Abraham had been there and built an altar to God. Maybe Abraham's prayers opened up something there. And Jacob stumbled upon that place. And so he named it Bethel, which means house of God. And so we know from scripture that there can be places where there's an open heaven. Angels ascend to descend and God's glory is there. His presence is there and it's a good thing. But there also can be negative portals. There can be something that's open to the darkness, to demonic spirits, to spiritual realms through the dark arts of witchcraft etc and it can be like a gateway that dark things come in and out of and so we know that as well and so just keep that in mind because revelation chapter 9 is pretty clear that that was in a dark gate that opened and dark beings came out of it but let me read something to you so the vatican and portals so this is so weird so on a huge telescope, so the Vatican right now is doing research in outer space, and they have positioned on Mount Graham a huge state-of-the-art telescope that they can view into very deep space, okay? It has a lens on it that they call the Lucifer lens. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Amen. Anyway, that, that's, this is a fact. You can look it up. And they're looking for extraterrestrial life, so they say. And they have stated bizarre things like, listen. So they were asked, one man was asked, because they're researching this supposed extraterrestrial life. And one man was asked in an interview, he said, well, would you baptize an alien into your christian faith or whatever and he said well if they want us to you know and it's getting really bizarre with the vatican they believe that there's extraterrestrial beings that are not listen to what i'm saying they're teaching bizarre things like this since extraterrestrial beings are not part of the human race they're saying that you cannot assume about them that they have fallen into sin. So therefore, they may be more pure than we are and they may have a pure, more pure understanding of God and the gospel. And therefore, that maybe we should be baptized by them. Yeah, they're teaching that. Again, the truth is stranger than fiction. And I'm going to share some things about this extraterrestrial business in a moment. But more and more people are believing in extraterrestrial life and they're believing kind of the the gospel of uh, the alien belief that we were seed planted here by a superior race of aliens 
in ancient times past and eventually when we reach a certain level of um, evolution that they'll come back so that's a strange belief isn't it but that's what a lot of people believe or starting to believe now so here's some interesting things about this Mount Graham so the Apache Nation with other Native American tribes have tried to sue NASA and the Vatican because of their use of Mount Graham because it is considered one of the most holy sites for Native Americans they believe now listen to what I'm saying this is true facts research the Apaches and other Native American tribes they believe that Mount Graham there is some kind of an ancient spiritual portal there that entities come in and out of so here's the question why doesn't the Vatican just simply relocate their telescope to another mountain at that elevation why are they staying on Mount Graham when they're being sued to be there when they could just move to another mountain at the same elevation there's something about this maybe this portal has something to do with what they're supposedly experiencing so let me explain it like this and I got one more thing to cover things are getting weird so the Bible does not talk about aliens on other planets at all and I don't believe in that and probably a lot of you don't as well but society is starting to believe in it but here's what's happening the Bible does talk a lot about fallen angels and it says that fallen angels dwell in what we call the atmosphere overhead you know maybe for example thrones it says that they princes and powers and wickedness in high places so they dwell in this what see let me explain it this way because this is really new to some people so I need to slow down so the third heaven is where God dwells that's where he is right now where God's throne is so underneath that realm is called the second heaven and that's where you have like the sun moon and stars and down into our atmosphere that's called the second heaven and that's where fallen angels dwell and then you deal with on the earth you deal with a lot of demonic activity and people that through the ages have done things like practice witchcraft and dark arts etc and done things that have kind of opened up some kind of a dark portal where demonic spirits come in and out of so in my opinion and I believe this is scriptural I believe that this is a great deception about extraterrestrial life because the Bible doesn't talk about it at all I believe that what people are experiencing I believe that there are people that legitimately experience things and to them it's very real but I believe that what they're experiencing is demonic does that make sense it's not you know aliens came down the Vulcans or whatever you know and they come down and they snatch people in the night and all that I don't believe all that stuff okay Star Trek <laughs> okay but what we're dealing with is demonic and this is going to be a way that they're going to explain away the rapture one day because there's going to be suddenly millions of people disappear how many in the earth are going to think that aliens took them you know as well as I do that that's going to be what happened 
And so what people are experiencing when they see these things in the sky, and I believe that people really are seeing some things, and when they experience strange activity, I'll give you an example. There's a, a minister that him and his sister, he says a true story, that his sister, he woke up one night, this blood-curdling scream, and the parents ran in there, thought, you know, she had a nightmare or something, but she swore that some beings tried to come to her in the night and she saw them and she was describing them and they sounded similar to what people would describe these aliens as. But because she came from a Christian family that taught her the Bible, when she woke up in sheer terror and she felt this oppression, she felt something very evil, very scary, she said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave me. And when she said that, that she said they were struck with terror and they ran out. So that's just another example of you're dealing with demonic beings. All right. And so the Vatican is trying to look for this stuff, but they deliberately are positioning things where there's supposedly some kind of an ancient Indian portal where things are coming in and out of it, and of course they're going to be seeing and experiencing strange paranormal activity. All right, this is, I know this is a strange stuff to talk about, isn't it? But things are getting weird. And then this, this is also something that's going on. So we'll talk more about this when you talk about the mark of the beast. But I'm going to touch on it tonight. And then I'm going to read the seventh trumpet and start closing this out. So, transhumanism. We know, I've been talking about this, so we know that there's been a move for one world government globalism, and there's also been a move for a one world currency, and a cashless society, where you're going to have to go cashless. This has been discussed for many years, this isn't new. Society's trying to go cashless, and there's a move toward a one world currency, and all that's gonna fulfill end time prophecy, because there's eventually coming a time that you're going to have to take some kind of a mark or a chip or something on your right hand or your forehead that'll be scanned or you won't be able to buy or sell. And that's called the mark of the beast. The false prophet will institute that. That's another sermon for another day. But this is what I want to talk about. So there's also a move called transhumanism right now that's been going on for a while. It's not new. It's not in one little small part of the world. Scientists all over the world are studying this. There's a lot of money being poured into this. It's very serious research. And it's also one of the reasons they're doing this is to create a super soldier. And they're trying to create super soldiers that have an edge over other military forces. So let me just... So here's what transhumanism is, that it's a term describing that through science and technology that we hold within our grasp today the ability to alter the human DNA for the betterment of mankind. Isn't that weird? When the Bible says that it will be like it was in the days of Noah before Jesus comes. The altering of human DNA. So let me give you a few things. So here's some research that's been taking place. The ability to splice DNA 
So you have a DNA strand that makes up that you have blue or brown eyes, your hair color, your height, your weight, everything about you, things you inherit from your parents. The ability to go in and remove unwanted traits and put other traits in that DNA and literally alter the person. That is not something that's science fiction. That's actually, it's possible to do right now. It's also being discussed in research. A lot of money is going into research right now to also use animal DNA. So, for example, that somebody could have superhuman vision because they could take, like, some kind of a cat <laughs> that maybe has night vision and give you superhuman vision. And amongst other things, superhuman strength or speed. Also, the use of nanotechnology, which I encourage you to look into what they're trying to do even with this current vaccine. It's not just the dead COVID being injected. There's more to it than that. There's properties in it that are supposed to tell your cells what to do. How weird is that? Look into it. Don't just... You're, I'll close with that in a moment. Also, they're trying to use synthetics, which we're familiar with. I mean, like a synthetic leg or whatever, and computer chipping the brain. Where there's no more need for school. Because think about it, if they can just take your brain and they can put a computer chip in it, where you can just maybe twitch or something, and you can go live on the internet, and you, you have access <laughs> to information at a fingertip. Not only that, but you could speak several languages. You, you know, they're trying to research this to where your human DNA is going to be altered. That's what they want to do. And they say it's for the betterment of mankind. And I just will say this and move on from it, but what type of abominations... Or are they going to create messing with the human DNA? They are also examining, this sounds really crazy, but they're looking into this. Somehow the ability to download who you are, your thoughts, your memories, your personality, everything about you, your soul. They're, they're trying to figure out a way to download that into a supercomputer and then they can create a new body and then they can take you and put you back in it's insane but they're looking at that and here's the thing really when you look past the science what are they trying to do they're trying to make people immortal apart from god We also know that cloning has been going on for a while. They've already cloned animals. Not only are they messing with humans, their, their real goal initially in this was to create a super soldier because somebody that has super strength, they didn't have to sleep, they, they're, uh, you know, they had night vision or whatever, they were trying to get an edge in warfare. But it's gone beyond that now. And not only are they talking about messing with human DNA, but they're also talking about changing the DNA of crops to create greater yield, etc. 
maybe crops that are resistant to certain things. But again, you're, you're playing God. You're messing with creation. It's not going to end well. Crops, plants, animals, trees, they're wanting to figure out how. And they're also trying to create artificial intelligence. Robots, etc., that super intelligence that can perform duties and do things. So, but you know, you remember reading, I read to you earlier, do you remember reading where it said they wanted to die, but they couldn't? Now, and then we know that there's going to be some kind of a mark that's going to bring great judgment with it. Uh, that's another, that's Revelation 13, okay? We're not there yet, but it's going to bring great judgment associated with this mark. Could it be, this is just, let's think together, but could it be that this mark of the beast is not just something that is like a scan to buy or sell alone, but what if it is connected to somehow messing with your human DNA? And I know that you guys know this, but the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be at the coming of the Lord. And we know in the days of Noah, there was about a thousand years from Jared time frame till Noah's flood, where the Nephilim were on the earth and it was fallen angels procreating with women. And that sounds insane, but that's exactly what happened. And it produced all kinds of weird giants and beings. And it was, what was it? An altering of human DNA. Did y'all catch that? And yes, that is in the Bible. Many people don't study the Bible. So anyway, that's another subject for another time. But if you look at as in the days of Noah, there's a couple things that stick out. It says, Jesus said they were eating and drinking and partying and being given in marriage and then sudden destruction came. So the first trait about as it was in the days of Noah was that people were living clueless to the times. I would submit that we're living in a time when end time prophecy is happening all around us right now. You see it because you know the Bible. But the vast uh, of you, humanity, the masses of humanity are clueless. Even people that call themselves Christians, a lot of them are clueless. Also, it says about in the days of Noah, because of these Nephilim in the earth or whatever, it says that great violence filled the earth. We're seeing over the last hundred years a great, great violence filling the earth. And it's in America now. There's great violence and lawlessness. And let me just say this. I probably need to mention that one of the names of the Antichrist is a lawless one. And so when you're seeing all this lawlessness, it's a fruit of the Antichrist spirit. So another thing about the days of Noah, Jesus said it would be like in those days, as I mentioned, is the altering of the human DNA was taking place on a broad scale. Could it be that we're going to start seeing that in the future? where human DNA is being altered. And just like Isaiah 13 talked about some kind of a portal and giants came through it, probably a reference of fallen angels and demonic beings, etc., but some kind of a portal opening. 
again as in the days of Noah. These are interesting times. All right, so that was the first and second woe was the fifth and sixth trumpet, the shofar blast. And then the seventh shofar blast took place in heaven. And this is Christ's reign foreseen, okay? So the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdom of our Lord in Christ and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worship God saying, we give thanks to you, O Lord of God, the almighty who were, who, uh, who are, who were, and because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged and your wrath came and time came for the dead to be judged and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, the small, the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened. And the ark of the covenant appeared in his temple. Remember, that's the throne. And great flashes of lightning, sounds, appeals of thunder, and an earthquake and great hailstorm. Isn't that interesting? So as you enter into the tribulation time, the remnant bride has been caught away. The earth is full of people that necessarily aren't right. But God, I understand that there's going to be great repentance among the, the people that call themselves Christians and play games because, you know, they missed the catching away and they're stuck here for the tribulation. But these, these times are, are going to be unparalleled. Jesus said about that seven-year period, he said that those days would be so bad that unless they were cut short, no flesh would survive them. But for the sake of the elect, and he was talking about that there had to be a third of the Jews remaining when he came, it was a prophecy. For the sake of the elect, he said those days were cut short. So again, you see the possibility of an asteroid. Then you see the possibility of some kind of a dark, evil portal opening and these beings coming into the earth that are going to torment people. And then you see with the sixth trumpet, you see these four fallen angels released. And they cause a massive war to take place in the Middle East area. They're, they're at the great river Euphrates. And it seems like the 200 million man army probably is referring to China. But coming in the east and creating this war... And then the seventh trumpet is a foreshadowing of the Lord's coming in the near future. So let me just close this sermon with this. Breaking free from Babylon. And we'll talk about Babylon as we go because we're going to deal with Revelation chapter 13. And eventually we'll get to 17 and 18 which deal with the horror of Babylon, etc. But in Revelation 18, 4... It said, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you do not participate in her sins and do not receive her plagues. And so there's, you know, there's people that may be hearing this that need to get right with God. So y'all just agree with me for a moment. So Lord, 
We just pray for everybody that's going to be hearing this. We bind everything in the name of Jesus that would try to hinder their salvation. Everything that's trying to blind them and deceive them and lock them up in bondage. We commit to be bound and release them in Jesus' name right now. We break the power of the enemy. Lord, let your Holy Spirit move upon people with conviction. But the Bible says that God's people, he says, you better come out from among Babylon, which is the sinful world system under Satan and eventually under the Antichrist. This sinful world system eventually is going to be a global government. Eventually is going to be a one world currency under the Antichrist. But right now, it's under Satan's dominion. The Lord says to come out from this world system and don't share in the sins of this world. Therefore, you're not going to receive the plagues of the world. And 2 Corinthians 6, 7 says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. So Satan's kingdom, his dominion, you can see now Babylon, you can see the influence that is so pervasive in the political system. What is called the, the deep state, what is called the swamp, Look how dark it is. Look how much stuff is there. You can look at the news media and see Babylon's influence. How hard it is for them just to tell the truth. You know, fake news. You can see Satan's influence tremendously in the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry is full of sex, nudity, seduction full of dark occult stuff that's out there pervasive extreme violence darkness you can see satan's influence in the educational system where our school system here in america is really pushing and has been for decades a strong liberalism and in our colleges you see that, again, you see so much liberalism, anti-Christ, anti-God. People are persecuted for being Christians. Even professors persecute Christians in the classroom, and yes, they do. You see how Satan's influence is in the medical field. I've talked enough about it to see it up to this point anyway with you guys. I've taught about it. You know the, what the insignia is and the Hippocratic Oath to Greek gods and you know, pharmacaea with the drugs and sorcery and all that. But I mean, there's an influence there. And even with the vaccinations and things, I mean, you need to just look into stuff. Let me just encourage you to not blindly accept things in this world, but look into it for yourself. Just because the world is telling you, oh, it's okay doesn't necessarily mean that it is okay look into it make sure that it is i think there'll be some things that are safe but there's some things that aren't but you need to look into it you can see satan's influence so strong in the financial the the market and, and how people um, invest in in this love of money and this greed and this but there's something there if you're not careful especially in america where there's so much debt 
living beyond means and coming under great bondage to debt. There's, there's an influence there. And worldliness and worldly friends. You know, when somebody truly accepts the Lord, what true Christianity is, it is not. Let me tell you what it's not. True Christianity is not a religion. It is not just a set of beliefs that, okay, well, I mentally agree with your beliefs. It's not just a set of rules of do's and don'ts. Religious people tend to think that way and feel that way. But what true biblical Christianity is, it is a new birth that you're born again. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you and makes you a new person. And somebody that's truly born again, they're truly born of God, they will never be the same. And I know in America, people don't understand blood covenant. I know that. But when Jesus died on the cross, it was the ultimate blood covenant between God and those that would accept Christ. And you're literally stepping into a very powerful covenant with God. And as you enter into that covenant, you leave everything behind that was. I mean, you're, you're literally leaving the dominion of Satan's kingdom and darkness and you're stepping into God's kingdom and you're entering into a covenant relationship with him. You're born of him. There's a, the Holy Spirit living in you. You're a new creation. And so the Holy Spirit in you, he's not going to let you continue to live as you once lived. So pretty soon, because you're born again, you're going to start feeling convicted about things you used to do. You're not going to want to hang around the old heathen you used to hang around. You're not going to want to go to the old bars and clubs you used to go to. You're not going to want to, to do drugs and get drunk and, and sleep around. All of a sudden now, the Holy Spirit in you changes who you are. And then there becomes a hunger for God. Now you want to go to church. Now you want to read the Bible. And because of this hunger for God, you want to leave all the old things behind. And you want to know him. And because you love him, you want to know what pleases him. And so you begin to learn from the Bible and from church things to avoid, things to get away from, and things that you need to do, and your life begins to totally change. And pretty soon, the people you hang around, you want to be around Christians, and you don't want to hang around the world anymore. And that's what I'm saying about coming out from Babylon. Because there used to be really ungodly stuff you would watch, and and, and evil stuff, the dark stuff you would listen to. Things that you were into on the internet, but now you don't want those things anymore and it's getting out of your life. You're being changed. You're a new creation. All the old stuff will pass away and everything become new. But you have to be serious with God because the Bible says that there's tares and there's wheat. See, tares look exactly like wheat, but they're not wheat. And in the latter days, the Bible says God's going to separate the tares from the wheat. And we're seeing that. What the tares are are people that look like Christians, but they're not Christians. They go to church. They mentally agree with beliefs. They probably, to a degree, keep a set of rules. But they really aren't born of God. 
and they aren't living a really righteous life. And so there's going to be this great separation, and it's happening. We can't play games about this. And, I, you know, people walk out, and they, and they don't want the Lord. That's fine. That's their choice, and they'll be in hell, and that's between them and God. But you can't compromise the gospel for a bunch of tares that don't want God anyway. The gospel is what the gospel is. And it, the gospel will come down like a sword and will demand that either you're going to be 100% the Lord's, he wants your whole life, or he wants nothing at all. And every single person that wants to ride the fence and be a hypocrite, they want the things of God, but they still want to keep their hand over here in the things of the world, every one of those are going to end up going on that side and end up falling away you mark my word you're either going to completely go with god or you're going to end up falling away have you ever seen it different because i haven't have you ever seen one person that was a hypocrite that rode the fence that it ended well for them anybody it's not going to work that's no different than somebody that wants to be married to a spouse, but they still want to keep their lover over here on the side. How long is that relationship going to last? Do you think it's ever really going to work? No. It's an unfaithfulness. So as we look at this, I mean, these are some dark times that are coming out on the earth, and reading it and looking into it, it almost seems like something so far out there like science fiction and just crazy stuff but yet that's the direction the world is going that's the direction that technology and the occult and spiritual darkness and all of that is kind of converging and it's moving that direction and this is a time the lord says to come out from among them and be separate so we're either going to completely come out and give our lives fully to him or not at all. And so let's just close our eyes for a moment. If people want to get right with God tonight, that's between you and the Lord and people that are watching this and listening. Let me just encourage you to pray and get things right with the Lord. If you don't know him, if you've never really experienced him, you need to be born again. I, I can pray with people that are here and God will touch you. But there has to be this new birth. And so, Lord, we just pray for everybody that's going to be listening to this. You know, Christianity is not even just repeating some prayer I give you. I'm, you need to look to Jesus, look to the cross, and say, Lord, I truly believe that you died for my sin. And forgive me. I turn from my sin. I turn into the living God. Let me be born again. Let me enter into a blood covenant. Forgive me for all my sins. I give my life to you transform me look to the cross look to jesus he's your salvation a preacher a church is not your salvation you need those things after you get saved but your salvation is found in the lord so lord i just pray for everybody that's hearing this tonight lord i pray that your holy spirit move upon them with great conviction Lord, like in the revivals of times past, we read about it in the Welsh revival, Hebrides, Cane Ridge, other moves of God, 
where the Holy Spirit moved upon people and they were gripped with the fear of God. There was a conviction. And Lord, people realized their lost condition. Society has, has made things that, like witchcraft and the occult, God says he hates it. But society has made it something that is socially acceptable. Sex outside of marriage, homosexuality, things that are the Bible calls sexual perverse, sexual sin, sexual immorality. Society has normalized these things, but I promise you they're going to send you to hell if you don't repent of them. The Bible says that, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Make sure that you get things right by God. I feel that tonight. All right, let's go ahead and shut down recordings. But Lord, I thank you for moving upon your people, Lord. And move it upon the lost tonight that we get right with you in Jesus' name. All right, if you would, just shut down recordings. And we're going to pray with people who want prayer tonight. If you need to get things right with God tonight, if you want prayer about anything, we're here to pray with you. Otherwise, we're going to go through and pray for people that want prayer tonight.